and he has blessed us, and his love is just being poured out. You can cut it with a knife. And um, what I'm going to read is from Ephesians 2, and, but we've already verbalized it. We've already prayed it. We've already praised him. Ron's prayer, and Dan and Don, and what they said about the Father's love. Uh, that's the answer. And we are in a period of time in our country where racial reconciliation is an issue. But for Christians, it has been settled. Okay? It's a done deal. God has made provision for that. And it's in our hearts. If we as Christians know the love of God, we know how special we are. We are secure in our identity, and we know we have a destiny and a purpose that he's given us to bring his kingdom here on earth. And we look at people with different eyes. As Ron prayed, we are one race, the human race. And God loves every one of us. And his heart's desire is those that don't know him would come to know him and would experience his love and become part of his family. And so what we see going on is a heart issue, and it's a sin issue. And our culture and our government and all the wisdom of men do not have the answer for the problems we're going through. But God does. He is the answer, and he is the solution. So let me read from Ephesians, and a couple of these verses I'll reiterate. But it's in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 to 18. And the title for this section of Scripture is A New Humanity. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and it's a Gentile church. They have been separated from God. They're not part of the Jewish family, okay, who have the answer, so to speak. So there's a huge division between these people. Okay, and when we look at humanity, how much division is there from my DNA and your DNA? And anybody in this room, in any ethnicity, there's almost none. We are part of that human race, that one race that he created. So um, as he writes to the, the Gentile people, so don't forget that you were not born as Jews and were uncircumcised. Circumcision itself is just a work of man's hands. You had none of the Jewish covenants and laws. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah, without the promised hope, and without God. That's a pretty sorry situation, isn't it? No hope, no God, no promise. In verse 13, yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice. What's left? Is there any, anything left? 
by dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through his our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the blood, on the cross, excuse me. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Okay, Jews and non-Jews fused together. All people fused together, whatever background, whatever ethnicity. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. Okay, there's no room for that in our hearts when we know how much we're loved and how precious we are to him and how everybody else is made in his image. And he loves them and his heart's desire as they would come into his family. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who are distant and to those who are near. And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realms of the Holy Spirit to come to the Father. That's the word of God. That's his answer to any kind of racial division, okay? It is solved by having his love in your heart and having his love for those around you and seeing them the way he sees them, that they are valued and they are worthy. And his again, his heart's desire is to add them to his family, as Terry said we should be about adding new members to the Father's family. And that's how we're going to solve society's issues, not just this one. And God is working, even if we don't feel it, even if we don't see it. But he, he has also given us his grace and his power and his authority for us to bring the realities of the kingdom that are in heaven to become a reality here on earth. So that's our responsibility, and let's step up to that and be kingdom people and be a reflection of God to the world around us and salt and light to the world. Let us be the transformers of society rather than letting society change the church, okay? We come against that in Jesus' name, and we declare and decree that we will be agents of transformation. We will be bearers of his love and bearers of his light to a hurting world. Thank you. Amen, amen. I believe there's a theme today uh, about love. Um, I got to learn. I got to remember to look at the camera occasionally. Uh What's up, Facebook? It's good to have our Facebook family with us. Uh, We love you guys. So this might not be a super-duper-duper long message, but I believe 
there's something the Lord's trying to get a get um, across. And I believe it's time for the church to rise up. You know, when all this stuff started with even with COVID and then all the racial division that's going in our land, I my first thought was, why doesn't the church get in front of this? And some churches are, some churches are doing really well. And I, I just, I think the Lord is looking up, looking at his church and saying, I'm waiting for the awakening because we carry it. We are peace carriers. We carry his love or we should carry his love. So what I'm going to do today, some of you probably um, was here last week and you heard the word that the Lord gave to me last Saturday. We're going to read that and we're going to break that down. And then I got a couple of other things and then we're just going to be led. Cool. Cool. I feel like I, I wish I had a chair and we all could sit in a circle because I feel like just having a conversation, which I'm going to contradict myself. I feel like it's time to stop talking and it's time to start putting some action. So I'm going to read it and then we'll go break it down. Eyes open, ears open, dead bones come alive. I call the bride of Christ to stand, shine and fight. I call for the church to unify under the name, the name of Jesus, the one who is the beginning and the end, the one who de- who died and rose again, the one who is alive, the only name that matters. I added that. I call forth the generations to align together. I call the church to align together from all backgrounds. The media is saying it's impossible. The world is too lost. But I said, but I said, I have called the church for such as a time as now. This is our year. Don't be pulled by what you see by your natural eye. I'm asking you to pull back the curtains, step into the spiritual realm. Once this happens, the overflowing measure of power will run over to the cities around you. The Lord is not holding the government accountable, but he's looking right at us. We are the church, right? He's looking at us individually as well. It's time to get real. It's time to be humble. It's time to hate evil. The victory is ours. I call the bride, the church, to push, to push, and to push back darkness. The enemy cannot have our generation or our society. We command you to stand down. I'm calling forth the dads to stand and take your place. I thought that was right on for today. I'm calling moms to stand and take your place. I'm calling for your family unit to take your stand. Narrow is the way, and that's how you know you're on the right path. Again, I'm calling the bride to stand. We have victory. So the first thing I would like to point out is don't be pulled in. Let me read it. This is our year. Don't be pulled by what you see with your natural eye. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of sad, hurt, depression, and we shouldn't be pulled by what the media is showing us, right? And now I know I'm a little younger, and it's okay, but I think I've gotten to a point where I cannot trust the media. They're here. I'm sorry. I think they're here to divide our country. But what should we be moved by? His word. So in Philippians 4, don't be pulled in different direction or worry about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. 
Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. You know, that's one thing I love about Ron. He wasn't, when he was doing his prayer, he wasn't weighed down. He wasn't worried. What came out of your mouth was expectation of something that was getting ready to happen. He's not focused on what the media is showing us. He's focusing on what God is telling him. See, we got to get our eyes off of media and get our eyes on the word. In other words, we could do this. We I've heard this statement. This is so good. So I'm not going to take credit for it. I wish I could. I heard in school, if you say it three times after that, you can take ownership over that. So I haven't done that yet. Anyways, um, he said, we have been culturally trained, not Christology trained. So what's that mean? We grow up in a culture. They put their beliefs on us. We pick it up and we believe it. But we've been, we haven't been trained by this. See, I love our schools, and we need to be praying for our schools. But there's a lot of bad things in school as well. So our teenagers in here, this is where this is your first priority. I couldn't imagine being in school right now. And I'm not that far removed. But it's gotten pretty bad. So this is our source. This is our filter. We've got to put down our filters and pick up the words filter. And also in the Philippians, one thing I see in this is a beautiful relationship. This is not a, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get close to God so I can get answers or I can, I can get um, my faith filled requests before God. No, this is a relationship. See, if we don't have a relationship with Christ, then what's the point? So, we're not going to go too, too deep right there. All right, second point in this. I call the bride, the church, to push, to push, to push back darkness. Enemy, you cannot have our generation, or I added to this, this morning, our society. We command you to stand down. We command you to stand down. That's pretty strong words, right? God, so in Ephesians 1, God not only gave Jesus the name, a name that is above every name, but a, but the name of Jesus, every being in all three words, heaven, earth, and hell must bow and confess Jesus' lordship and dominion. God also seated Jesus at the highest position in the universe at his own right hand and made him head over all things. Now, where do we fit into this picture? In Ephesians 2, 6, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and he, and we ascend with him into a glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So my question for you is, where are you seating? Where's your position? Where is your chair at? Our chair is seated with Christ, one. So we have authority to actually tell the enemy exactly where he belongs. 
We have authority over our families. Like I said today, I'm wondering how our land would be if we start using our God-giving authority. What if we picked up our authority once again and took our land back? Like I said before, we are the only answers. We carry a God-given We carry living water on the inside of us. What do I mean by that? We carry the Holy Spirit, or we should carry the Holy Spirit into our streets. So wherever we go becomes holy ground. So wherever we go is holy ground, then miracles, signs, and wonders should follow. What could only heal our land is Jesus. Did I forget something? Because if we carry Jesus, then our world should be changed. Like I I, I was going to say this later, but... Talk is cheap. It's time for action. It's time to mobilize. It's time to be real. It's time to love one another. I hate division. I hate a divided church. You know, if the church is divided, then then it cannot stand. It cannot stand. So we must unify together. There is a world to save. There is a world that is dying of love. And we carry it. So when we talk to the enemy, we, we talk to him with boldness and confidence because we are one with Christ. And I'm talking to myself, please, please, let, I'm going to just be honest with you. I'm talking to myself. Um, so. The devil has to bow to you. The devil has to bow to you or bow to us. So it also says narrow is the way. I know that is a popular scripture, but let's, let's look back at it. Enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through, but small is the gate and narrow and difficult travel is the path that leads, leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 in the Amplified. All right, I don't know about you. I caught something. This ain't supposed to be easy. Yeah, I also heard yesterday I, I spent a lot of time in just worship and, and just in the presence of the Lord and listening to some cool speakers. And, um, and he said, you know, if you're a Christian, you're not called to be passive. If you're a Christian, you're not supposed, you're supposed to have the difficult, you know, uh, conversation. You're supposed to be bold. You're supposed to be courageous. You're supposed to get into the streets. You're supposed to proclaim his name. Like I said, it's easy to talk, but talk is cheap. Could it be we're in this day and age or in this time because the church has dropped its obligation? I forgot how Pastor Don words is. I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to butcher that statement. But maybe some of you are know where I was going to go with that. Um, again, I'm calling the the bride to stand. We have the victory. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The church, you and I. So this is for your family units. You know, after I read this word a couple, or last week, immediately after service, I, or in last week, I got two messages about the enemy 
destroying families. The enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy, correct? But when uh, they were singing that song, The Blessing, we, we commi- uh, immediately start confessing his favor and his blessing upon us and our family. See, we're trying to fight naturally in all topics, COVID, the racial division, the division in our families. We're trying to attack this with flesh and blood. I know I'm talking to a mature crowd, but we're, we're fighting against spiritual warfare. And it's time that we wake up because we're carrying, I'll get to that in just a minute, but we're carrying living water. And I'll break that down in just a minute, what I mean by that. And then last night I heard these words, unite church, put aside your pride. Let's pick up the mandate that we laid down long time ago. It's time that these dry bones of the Acts church strengthened. Come alive. Come alive, you passive church. Wake up, you sleeping giant, and you have living water on the inside of you. You have life, you have love, and you have light. I'm calling you to be the awakening that I've been waiting on. So what's that mean? We've been praying for decades now for a new awakening, for a revival. He's been waiting on us. We are the salt and light to the world. If the world is dying of love, to me, there's an easy answer to that. The church mobilizes, wakes up, and enters the streets. There's a lot of hatred in our world. The only thing that can kill hatred is what? Natural love or love that transcends human understanding? Talk is cheap. I'm looking for action. It's time to win this war. You can kill any evil scheme of the enemy, so you can kill hatred. So this is where I think we need to get to. How do we do this? It's time that we unify together. I'm calling for the bride to stand in unity. From all backgrounds, I'm calling for the bride, the church, individuals, the family unit to stand and take back our cities. If you're black and white, Hispanic, whatever, we're standing together. We're laying aside our pride and our our filters, and we're picking up the word because there's only one God. There is only one Jesus. There is only one way. There is only one hope. There is only one love that can save our land. So I'm calling for the bride. I'm calling for the church. I'm calling for the one who believes in Jesus to stand united together and take back our land because we are the awakening. We are the one. We have living water. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. That means we have the answers. It's time to stop putting, it's time to stop allowing our insecurities and our fears to destroy our destiny. It's time that we pick up our calling. It's time that we pick up our destinies and it's time to save Concord and Cabarrus County. And when we do that, the surrounding counties must be saved as well because there is always an overflowing. And I know there's a lot more people representing different counties here. And we have Utah as well. So in Psalms 133, it's probably the perfect scripture about unity. I'm not going to read it all right now, but in Psalms 133, when you see unity, 
what happens? It brings forth the blessing. Where there's unity, there's blessing. Where there's unity, there's favor. Where there's unity, there's love. When there's unity, there's the fruit of the Spirit. So, are we seeing that? And I'm not, that's not my place to answer that. I'm not going to answer that. You can answer that for yourselves. And, but are we seeing the fruits? Actually, let's read it. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way, all the way down to his hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For this is realm of sweet harmony. God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. You know, it's so easy for us not to pick up the word during a difficult season, but we're in a spiritual warfare. And the only way we're going to battle the enemy is with the word. And the word has the answer. If, word, if the word of God is not coming out of our mouth, I'm not going to say that. But um, that's what should be coming out of our mouth. That's what should, we, should be coming. And we got to be bold. We got to be bold. We got to be bold. It's time to stop being passive. And I'm talking to myself. I'm probably one of the, I, I, I would love to just sit in my bedroom, hang out by myself. I can be an introvert. But the Lord is calling for a generation, for a society, for all generation to stand and stand underneath the name of Jesus. So when I first started coming here, Ron, it's been almost two years now, these, this is like Ron's favorite scripture. I don't know why I always mention you when I, when I get up here, but I do. Papa Ron. So, now I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. In Romans twelve nine, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. I'm going to say that again. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. I'm going to just read these and we'll talk a little bit. If I speak with tongues of man and, and, and of angel, but have not loved for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clingy symbol, just an annoying distraction. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet, love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So what's going to heal our land? Is love. So this morning when I was uh, meditating on this, Love is a weapon of warfare. You know, we kind of belittle love. 
We're like, okay, love everyone. And we almost do the opposite of the scriptures. Hey, I love you, love you. And then we go right back and talk right behind their backs. Or, or we go, hey, yeah, we love that church, but we go talk behind their backs. It's time that the church unifies. If we want to see our land healed, it's, we're the only answers. What do I mean by that? It's because we have Jesus on the inside of us. The only way Jesus has authority on this earth is through his church. It's through you and I. If we want to see awakening that we've been believing for, it's time that we stand up and cause it. It's time that we start bringing this awakening to our land. I told you it's going to be short. I just hate division. And I want to see our churches unified. How about you? Now, you got something? Um, I, f- I feel, I see Dan over there. He's, he, he encourages me. If you don't know Dan, he is a studier of the word. I don't think, him and Dr. Birchville, I think, is in a race. How, how much they can learn in a week's times. And I can just see you over there, and I feel like just ready to go. So, I just, uh, I want to read a little section here from 1 John 3 that just really, it's, it's what you're saying. And it's what it's all about. And this goes back to Cain and Abel. I'll, I'll read it. It's 1 John 3, beginning of verse 11. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And, and I was thinking back to that whole Cain and Abel thing. Remember what God asked Cain? He says, where's your brother? And what, did, what did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? This is the way of evil. This is the way of the world. Am I my brother's keeper? The way of Jesus is, what's the answer to that question? Yes, I am my brother's keeper. I am, I am. I believe that every problem that faces America today is because of unfinished business that the church didn't do in the past. And in terms of the race issue, there's unfinished business that the church hasn't done. And that's not good enough. It's not good enough. And I don't, I don't honestly know exactly what the path forward is. I know who the path forward is. I know who. I, I don't know necessarily the steps, and that's what we have to just trust in. But let me just continue with this section. You know, if, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within him. Let me skip down a couple verses. This verse 18. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our action. That's what you kept coming back to. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Show it by your actions. I... um. I'll probably give you more of this story at some other time in the future, but a few years ago, I was really, really seeking out God and asking him, God, what, 
what's your calling on me? I had gone through some brokenness. I'd been in a ministry position and I just, I just got screwed over royalty by the, by the pastor in that church. And it, it crushed me. I mean, I was in serious depression for eight years and I just, I lost everything that I felt like I'd gained. But when I started coming back around and started returning to the Lord, you know, I, you know, I, I told them, look, I know that the terms that we're going to, I'm going to serve you are going to be different moving forward than what they are in the past. And, and I sought the Lord and I sought the Lord and I, I kept reading about the kingdom of God and I kept reading about Jesus and his life and what he did. And I asked the question, I don't know, this might have been eight, eight years ago, I don't know. I asked God, you know, what, Jesus, if you were here in the world today, if you're in America today, what would it be that you would focus on? What would you try to address? Because I want to be doing that. And I felt that the thing that he was putting at the front burner for me is that I would deal with racial unity. I would deal with racial equity. I would, I would do, and, and I mean, I heard him saying that, and I, and I began doing a whole bunch of research, and, and I, I read book after book, and I studied the civil rights movement, and I studied history, and, and, and um, because I felt like this is what I should be doing. Um, when I came to this church about a year ago, it's right about a year ago, June, wasn't it, I think? You know, one of the reasons I came back was because this is a racially mixed church. I've, we've visited lots of churches and there's like a couple of things. When I walk in a church, if I look around and see all white people, I'm pretty much gone right then and there. Um, and if I walk in a church and it feels like the only people doing anything of significance in the church are men, like women have no role, then I'm, I'm out. I'm out. So I came into this church and, you know, I mean, I was really, really pleased that it's a church that seems to have a really good mix in terms of race and also, you know, I mean, a woman pastor, I mean, you know, so it's like check, check, you know, so that's, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, and this is a confession on my side. I mean, I've been trying to lay the pieces. I've been trying to lay the you know, foundation and trying to ask God what it is that I can do, what it is that we can do together to make racial unity, make equity, make each one being shown dignity and love and fairness and justice and equal opportunity. I, I really, really believe in all those things. But I think for me, and I think for an awful lot of well-meaning white people, um, it's like, yeah, yeah, we need to do that. But it just stays on the back burner. It stays in the back burner. So this is confession, you know, this is kind of pushing it to the front burner. And I think that's, I think that's what God's saying to the church. It's like back burner no more. Let's do it. Let's deal with this. It's not just love in words, but in actions. Our actions show that we belong to the truth. So that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to keep going. I'll let you do whatever it is that you wanted to do to finish things up. That was good. That was good. All right, Impact uh, Facebook family, we love you. Um, we appreciate you. And we will see you tomorrow at 630 for prayer.